Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Now, if I had to uh, title this message tonight, it would be entitled, and I started to call it Entering Into the Kingdom of God, but it's really not Entering Into the Kingdom of God. It's abiding, I would have to uh, title it abiding in the kingdom of God. Abiding in the kingdom of God. Now, this is, you know, as I said, I spoke to Pastor about going on in the book of Acts, and we could have taught, and I could have wrote some more questions out of Acts chapter 8, but I felt like it was better if we just went with pastor's teaching because I know he's got specific things that he's looking at and doing so uh, I prayed about it and if you were at the last actually the last time I spoke uh, I spoke it's in lines with what I'm going to teach on tonight but uh, talking about the kingdom of God there's there's several things that, that I want to touch on and I'm I don't know how deep, I do know that I need to go in the perfected or when I said the perfect spirit or the perfected spirit, okay? And looking at what it actually means to be born again. But in that, you're going to find out in order to enter into the kingdom of God, you must be born again. We're going into also to define again. And some of this may be just... Actually, you elementary things that you already know. But I want to discuss it because it has something to do in line with, how many remember the story of the waltz? Waltz. Okay. The story of the waltz. Waltz. W-A-S-P. Waltz. <laughs> Make sure I get it. I did, did I spell it correctly? Okay. But anyway, just real quick on that, um, I would go out and exercise every morning and get up. Okay. But you don't. Okay. Well, I'll share it real quick. But several years ago, just working around the house, I'd got to a place where I quit worrying about Walt. In other words, if I was up next to a bush, you know, I just, I just said, Lord, you're going to protect me, and I'd just walk in there. And there were several times when I would come out of the house, and they liked to build nests around our outside uh, front door light and around the faucets and several places. And uh, I just got, walked in a, an attitude, Lord, you're going to take, I walk in your covenant protection. But every time the fear of what a wasp would do to me and sting me, I said, you know, I wouldn't let that fear in. I would think on the word of God and how God was going to protect me. Amen. And, and anyway, I, I had left out of the house several times. One time we were going to put a key behind the light so that someone could get in the front. One of the kids would need to get in the house. And I hit that, well, I t- bumped it when I set the key up there and wasp went everywhere and I I walked out to the car, and you know, in my natural, you know, natural thinking, we would think, well, you know, glory to God, you get sting, stung, but I didn't think much about it. But anyway, um, 
I had went out and this when they started making this and and I uh, went out and got on my bicycle in the mornings and I usually ride about two well actually it winds up being about three to four miles but uh, I got on the bicycle and I'd, I'd take off well I would notice walls flying around and it never hit me you know and I looked I'd come back and they'd be flying around so I put the bike up and I'd go in the house and that was happening, and I had went on for a couple of weeks. Well, one morning I went out to get on to get the bicycle, and when I did, they flew everywhere. And one of them hit me on the arm, but it didn't sting me. It literally hit me on the arm, and it didn't sting me. And I looked up under the seat, and there that was where the wall's nest was. I'd been riding with the wall's nest up under me, and I never got stung. I, I didn't get stung. Now, the, the thing, I actually thought that day, well, Lord, do I really need to go out there and, and kill a, that wall's nest tomorrow, that evening or that night? And, and he said, son, would you know, if you knew if you had a demon hanging around, you'd let him hang around? <laughs> no. So I went and killed wall's nest. When you know to do something, you do it. But that goes in lines with what I'm going to minister on tonight. And I'm, I'll be the first one to tell you that I, I haven't got this right. And it, and it takes a lot to practice this. But it's more than in just, it's in the areas of, of Walsh. It's in the areas of dealing with family and children and uh, unsaved loved ones. There's so many areas that this deals with that you get into. But in order to deal with the kingdom of God, there's going to be a lot of scriptures here that I'm not, some of them I'm not going to necessarily touch on, but I wrote them down in order for you to know it or, or just have reference to. But what I want to go to is my notes, and I want to share, starting with my notes, real quick. And to understand the kingdom of God, you first have to understand uh, about when the kingdom of God starts and, and what Jesus has it talks about. It actually, you have to go back to the new birth. So if you will, and some of these scriptures are on your notes, some of them aren't, but, and I'm going to be reading from John 3, 3. And uh, I'm going to start there. But now I'm going, I've got a, a lot of different places that I'm going to go, and I want to go as fast as I can because I don't want to spend. But in John 3, 3, it says, Jesus answered verily, verily, and he's talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus had came to him. Well, let me actually start from in verse 1 because this really has significance here to me. There was a... There was a name of, a, of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, a ruler of the Jews is important. There, that, that word right there is important. A ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I want you to, you need to circle, underline, or that 
see the kingdom of God. Unless a, a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that word born again, also that word again in the Strong's Concordance means to be born, actually to be born from above, or other translations say born of the Spirit. And uh, verse 4, Nicodemus, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Okay? Unless our being born of water... Some people have used that to say you have to have uh, water baptism. That's not consistent with the teaching of the Bible. You don't have to be baptized to be born again, baptized in water to be born again. And like pastor teaches, baptism or immersion in water is an outward show of an inward experience or an inward happening. Some, and so I want to stress that, but what it probably relates to Born of water is talking about a natural birth or a birth when a person is born. Now, it could refer back to the water, the washing of the water of the word. It could refer to it. But in either case, it's consistent with the teaching as far as born of water. But the main thing here is to be born of the spirit, you have to enter into the kingdom of God. So that's the first place we're going to talk about tonight is born of the Spirit or and what actually takes place when that happens. Uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, the definition of the kingdom of God. The Young's literal translation of this scripture right here talks about it, instead of using the word kingdom, it uses the word reign. Okay? So I could actually, and read this, and I will read it in the Young's. Kathy, do you have, well, why don't you read it in the Young's literal real quick for me? Okay. Verse 3, Jesus said, answered and said it, and verily, verily, I say unto you, if anyone may not be born from above, or if anyone may not be born from above, he is not able to see the reign of God. Okay? The, in other words, that's verse 3, and let's go down to verse 6, I believe that's where it was. Well, actually, well, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If any one may not be born of water and the Spirit, he is not able to enter into the reign of God. Now, the reason why I say that, let me go back. I will never forget 
personally when the Lord spoke to me and told me what the kingdom, explained the kingdom of God to me. And this had to be back in the 80s. Uh, Kathy, had been, Kathy and I had been married but a few years, and we were sitting in a class. And any time I have a question, I go, I'll go across the scripture, and I ask the Lord, well, Lord, what about that? I mean, and I remember reading a scripture, and it's in my notes somewhere, but it says, and it's, it's going to be on your sheet about the kingdom of God. I put it in there. He said, there will be some among you which shall not taste the death before you, before you see me enter into the kingdom or into my kingdom. I believe that's what the scripture says. I may not quote it correctly, but that's what the intention was. Enter into his reign. That could be equally said that. When you think of kingdom, a lot of times we think of a place. And that's not incorrect. Heaven, you know, the kingdom of God is heaven. Okay? The, God does reign in heaven. But Jesus here was specifically sat, talking about the reign of God is in the spirit. The reign of God is in the spirit. And until you're born, when you are born again, now I'm going to do the best I can explain this to tell you. And when you are born again, you are born of the spirit. And when you're born of the spirit, your spirit man becomes exactly like the spirit of Jesus. Because the spirit of Jesus comes inside of you. The spirit of God comes inside of you and he makes his abode with you and you are born from above. Now, um, look at your notes on the second page of perfected or perfect spirit. Now, I'm going to go into this talking about the perfected spirit because I need to make sure I get this correct. Because if I were to ask you in the natural, to, and most people are this way, if I were to ask you if you were perfect, and that's, that's, a, that's the answer I get. I, I get a lot of times, I'm not perfect. Because, and let me tell you why, most of us see ourselves through the eyes of the natural flesh rather than through the eyes of the Spirit. Now, if, if I talk to you naturally, this is what happens when you're born from above and you're born of the Spirit of God. Your spirit man is made perfect based upon what Jesus did on the cross, based upon the blood of Jesus Christ, based upon his resurrection, from the dead. And it's his righteousness that enters into you and makes you the righteousness of God. Being born again, you're not, you're not born by what you do or don't do other than one thing, receiving Jesus Christ by faith and confessing him as your Lord and Savior and that he raised, rose from the dead. When you do that, your spirit is made alive unto God. It is made exactly like the spirit of Jesus. Okay, and I'll take it one step further. And Peter talks about, oh well, yeah, I believe it's in Second Peter. He talks about that this that our spirit, this like precious faith, is the same faith that came from Jesus. 
So your, your faith, and here I'll take this one step further. If you're born again, you have the same faith that Jesus had. Now, if I were to take it to the next step and ask you if you operated like Jesus, then we'd all lose it right there. Okay? But now let me explain this a little bit. And let me break it down. I was thinking about this the other day. Most of the time, you know, when you get to talking to people about faith, and you begin to explain to them about faith, the first answer that they'll give you is, I've got faith. If they've got a problem, and you begin to talk to them about faith, in which they do have faith. Romans chapter 12 says, in Romans 12, that to every man is been dealt the measure of faith. And I've been praying about that and asking God how to explain that. And he showed me two things. And the first one was, and I could take my Bible and hold it up, which I will. This is the measure of faith. God gave it to you. It's his word. He gave it to you. It's the measure of faith. But I want to take it to you on another level. Because he explained it to me like this. When a baby is born, it has all the muscles to mature, to grow, and to become an adult and, and, and do the things in capacity and fulfill a call and a destiny on life. You know, any, a number of different things. When a baby is born, when a, when a person is born again, the spirit man has everything in there. The, the body of the spirit has the full capacity to mature to the fullness of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that. That's who you are, and that's who you are in your spirit. When you're born again, your spirit man it has everything necessary to become the exact image of Jesus Christ in your spirit. But now, the ability to get there requires some nurturing. It requires some strengthening from food, the bread of the Word of God. And, the, and you could say the, the Spirit of God. But now when I say that, your spirit man come, becomes exactly like Jesus. As a matter of fact, in these are the notes down there. Look at your note, and I may jump from one to the next, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. Very familiar. Well, it's not familiar, but let me read this. I'm, I'm thinking of 517, but 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Now, I also put down there, and by the way, the notes and the scriptures are credited to my wife, who took them off my notepad and, and typed all that up for me today. So I just want you to know that Kathy did that. <laughs> but the Greek word there, and it's in your notes, the Greek word used for one here is hes. And it means a single one to the exclusion of others. The Greek word there, 
and I'll say it more again, is it, the Greek word for one is his. And it literally means, what it means is, make sure I got a single one to the exclusion of others. Literally, when Jesus comes in, your spirit, man, is born from anew. anew. And, and now, this is, I want you to get this. Your nature changes. Inside of your spirit, your nature changed. You no longer have a sin nature in your spirit, man. I emphasize that. In your spirit, man, it naturally becomes, when, when you take the word of God and you put in your spirit, your spirit, man, will naturally produce righteousness. Or righteousness, don't get caught up with that word. All it means is your spirit, man, will, act, will naturally become, will do what's right. When you take the word of God and put it in your spirit, okay? Now, I, I've got this, and now I'm just going to talk about it, but you'll find this where Jesus talks about in Mark chapter 4, uh, he talks about the kingdom of God, and he talks about how that planting seeds, or it's like planting seeds. And he just, you know, Mark chapter 4 is full of what he talks about entering into the kingdom of God and about the word of God getting, in some, by, getting inside you. And it talks about the cares of the wor world and the things that take away the word of God or the deceitfulness of, you know, riches. And, and persecution, persecution comes because of the word's sake to take away the word. Now we're familiar, Jesus talked about that, the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and to destroy. You know what he's after to steal? He's after to steal the word out of your heart. If he can steal a word of salvation, he can keep you from being saved. If he can steal a word of healing, he can keep you from being healed. If he can steal a word of prosperity, he can keep you from being prosperous. Because if he steals a word, word he'll, kill, he'll kill the purpose. And the, well, he'll kill what that word could produce, and it will destroy the purpose and the intent of that word God had for you. Now, that's the way the Lord showed me, but the stealing always comes first, and it's there to steal the word of weight. Okay? But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 15, it goes 15 through 17, and I'm going to read that real quick. And he that, and he, excuse me, and that he died for all, that they which live should be henceforth, henceforth live unto them, excuse me, henceforth live unto themselves, but unto God, which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, or in the anointed one, in his anointing, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. 
to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespassings unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. In other words, when Jesus reconciled us, how did he do that? When he went to the cross, he took all of man's sin, past, present, and future. Yes, even, even future sins. We'll look in Hebrews, just a minute, in Hebrews chapter, um, well, actually it goes from chapter 8 all the way through chapter 10. But he took those, those sins to the cross and nailed them to the cross. And he paid for them. And not only that, he did some other things in here. And, 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 and it talks, and you'll, you'll find in your notes, where that we are sealed and from Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians chapter 2, or it may be chapter 3, it talks about how that we are sealed, our spirits are sealed with the Holy Spirit. If someone will look in the notes real quick, you should have the notes in there, I think. Huh? I didn't give it to you? I'm glad you told me that because it's in my notes then. Let me look at that and give you that scripture. I'm not going to be able to get to all my notes, but I guarantee you, well, I'm, I did have a lot. I think it's in Ephesians chapter 2, maybe in 3, but we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Or our spirits are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And I may have read it today, and it's just on top of my memory, but uh, it's Ephesians chapter 2 or chapter 3. It talks about how that the Holy Spirit, our spirit has been sealed by the Spirit of God. Now, let me say this, and when I'm talking about this, and I'm talking about a perfected spirit, it's important for you to know something else, and I want to add this to it. You're a, three, you're a trichotomy. You, you are a spirit who lives in a body and you possess the mind, your mind, your will, and your emotions. In other words, your mind is compassed of your, uh, your will and your emotions and decision-making processes. Now, I say this to you, your mind is not part of your brain. Your brain is an organ. And I want to dif differentiate between that. Okay, the mind and the brain are two different things. The mind, the brain is used to transfer this information and everything and express and to talk to people and, and to relate things and just to operate. The brain does a lot of things. It controls the body. But your mind stays with you even after your body dies. So you, this is your mind which contains your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have, a, in other words, your spirit man, and, and people don't understand this, this body is a reflection of your spirit man. If I could say it anything any better, it's like a glove of your spirit. You're living inside your body, but you, 
your spirit man is identical or your flesh is identical to who you are, okay? And you don't lose your identity. Your identity was your mind, your will, and your emotion. Now, when you're born again, your spirit man is born and it's just like Jesus, but you still live in the same old body and you still possess the same mind that you had and memories and different things from the past up to that point. But the reason I want to differentiate between that is because of this. I made this statement. A lot of people get caught up, and hopefully we'll have a little bit of time to do this, but I'll talk about the nature. The sin nature dies when you're born again. Okay? But you still have a memory of all that other stuff that you went through and the things you've done. Okay? If I could put it any way other than this, how many in here lived in a house when you were growing up and that house is gone, doesn't exist anymore? The only place it exists is where? But that house is gone. When you're born again, your old nature dies. But you still have your conscience of that. And most of the time we get tripped up and we get to thinking about how imperfect we are and the things we've done. You, you, have you ever done like that? You, you, you can get 95% or 50, you get almost 95 or 99% of it right, but that one thing you got wrong, you focus on it more? My wife can say that. She talks about me. <laughs> perfectionist, you know. I want to get things right. Well, yeah. But what we have a tendency to do, we, we major on the negative rather than what we should be focusing on. Now, I want to talk to you real simple. I'll give you this illustration. It's, it's a real good illustration. It didn't happen to me, but I know the, the individual who taught it and who ministered it, and I know he wouldn't tell the story. But it just gives a good illustration about the planning of the word and what happens to us a lot of times when we focus on the wrong thing. This teacher, he taught in a well-known Bible college. It's actually the Raymond Bible College. And I'll go ahead and tell you his name. It's Keith Moore. Anyway, he had a student come to one of his classes at the end of the classes one day, and he had a real, you know, he'd come up to him. He was real serious, and, you know, really he was just distraught. And he began to talk to him and said, you know, Brother Keith, I've tried to quit smoking. And I can't quit smoking. I've had people, I've been in prayer lines. I've been anointed with oil. I've been prayed over. I've had hands laid on it, laid out in the spirit. But I go out and I throw the cigarettes out the window. And I go back and I have to get them and pick them up. And I could, I could go through it and tell you how it's actually comical in the way it was. But he's sitting there saying all this stuff about, I can't do this. I can't quit smoking. And he, you know, he's focusing on himself and what he can do. Well, anyway, Keith, Brother Keith just sits there for a few minutes. Hmm? I said, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ. There you go. And then he focused on that for a long time. And all of a sudden, you know, Brother Keith just talked, stopped him and said, listen. 
Will you do me a favor? And the guy finally agreed, well, yeah, I will. But, and he said, please don't tell me to throw my cigarettes away. And, and, and Keith said, listen, every time you take a puff off of one of those cigarettes, you go to light one of those cigarettes up. Before you take a puff off those, off those cigarettes, I want you to look at that cigarette and look at it and, and just say, thank God I'm free from these cigarettes. And, and there was an argument there to begin with. He started telling and said, listen, I'd be lying. And anyway, he kept on to finally he convinced him, every time you light up one of those cigarettes, begin to thank God that you're free from those cigarettes. And, and you just, you say that over and over again. And he said, okay, and he walked out. Well, two or three weeks came back, and he began to tell Brother Keith he had been delivered from the cigarettes. But this is what happened. When he first started saying that, he said he felt silly. Because when, every time he'd take a puff, he'd say that. But after a while, it got to a point where he really didn't think about it. He just started saying it, and, he, and it just be, started to become natural inside of it. It started to change. He started to change the way he thought. He didn't even realize it. He began, to, but what he was doing is he was confessing that he was free from those cigarettes. Why? Why could he say that and not be a lie? Because 2,000 years prior to that, Jesus took those cigarettes to the cross. And 2,000 years prior to that, Jesus came off that cross and gave him the power to be free from those cigarettes. He had walked up on a, a bus stop and was waiting on the bus, pulled out a cigarette, went to light it up, looked at the cigarette, and it hit him all at one time that he was free from the cigarettes. And he was set free. How? By the power of God, by the anointing of the Spirit of God. What happened is that truth finally got out of his head into his heart. But before that, he was trying to do it in what? His flesh. He was trying to do it through his flesh. Now, the reason I want to stop there a second is a lot of times we, in everything we do, we're trying to do it through our ability. And, and let me give you a key here. If you're fearful about it, even if you're praying about it and you're fearful, you don't have the right faith involved. Because what happens is fear will get in and contaminate your faith and undermine what God wants to do. You see, a lot of this in understanding this is in the Spirit, everyone who was ever, ever will be saved, everyone who ever will be saved, ever was saved, on the day that Jesus died on that cross, and when he come up out of that grave, he secured that salvation. Spiritually speaking, the power to save everyone was released that day. It doesn't have to be released anymore. God's will is for everyone to be saved. The power for your loved ones, if you have lost one, loved ones, has already been released to save them. The power to overcome any situation you're dealing with right now or will deal with in the future 
has already been released to take hold to it. But if you don't understand and you get begin to wonder, well, what can I do? How can I do this? What am I going to do to resolve, resolve these issues? And you get stuck on yourself. Then what you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to run into a brick wall. You can love God and want it to happen. But if you're trying to do it through what you can do, then you're trying to do something through the flesh. And, it's, and I may be jumping a little bit, but let's go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. The other verse, Ephesians 1.13. That's correct. Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And by the way, well, let me go to Romans. I've got so much that I want to share, and I've got just a short amount of time. But uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, And I may have put it in your notes, Romans 8, 1 through 15, which that's a reference to, or in the scriptures that you got. But all of that is, in, uh, is good to go through. Let me get my computer back up. That's the only thing I've let it go. But in Romans 8, I can, it talks about being spiritually, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I may have got it backwards. If you get carnally minded about things and you're, and you're asking God to do things in your carnality and fearfulness, then that's not a, that is not a faith-filled prayer or, or, or effectual prayer. Now, the Lord really has dealt with me about this. If, let me just put it like this. If you, if you have a loved one who is, who is on their way to hell, and it's obvious, and, and, and they need the Lord, and you, you know that they need the Lord, and you're focusing on, on the problem, and, 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 but you begin to see all the hardness of how the word, in other words, they're in a bad place. They're in a bad environment. And, there's, and you look at well, how hard it is for God to get some, a word to them. Who, you know, and you begin to wonder, how can God get a word to them? And you get caught up in that. Then what you're doing, you've got more faith in the word not getting to them than you have in what God said he would do. Because in the scriptures... And I wrote this down, but I don't have it with me tonight. But in the scriptures, he said, pray to, you know, in that situation, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the field. For truly the harvest is great, but laborers are few. So if you ask Jesus, I pray that you'll send someone to him. 
to minister the gospel. And, and then, when you pray that prayer, you know it's God's will. In 1 John chapter 4, it says that when we pray according to God's will, the, His word, we know that we have our prayers answered. Why? Because it's according to His will. We have the petitions. So I know that God's going to send laborers across His path, or their path. He may send you, and then you may not be able to go. You may be the wrong person to go. But you pray and ask God to send the right person, the person he's going to hear. It may, be, it may come over radio, television, I don't know, but when you pray and you ask Jesus to do it in faith and don't try to figure out how he's going to do it, just you're going to do it. Just see him do it. Begin to see him doing what he said he would do. And don't try to figure out how. He may show you. That's okay. But just accept him doing it. And then bind the forces of darkness that have blinded him to the truth of the gospel. The only reason why a person is in darkness and lost anyway is because they are blinded by the God of this world. And, and, and they haven't seen the truth of the glorious gospel. But when you bind it, Jesus said, to whatever you bind in the earth shall be bound in the heaven. Whatever you loose in the earth shall be loosed in the heaven. And you have authority over the forces of darkness that are blinding that individual. Take the authority. Take your authority. And just when you bind it, you expect it to be done. Don't try to say, okay, me... It's not you. We just sung in the, name, in the wonderful name of Jesus. When you say in the name of Jesus, it's just like Jesus, it's going to be done. It's the stamp of authority. That's what that name talks about. When you use that name, everything he secured is yours, and you release it by faith. Then Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 says, You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You see, that's it. The Word of God, listen, the Word of God is more, con more contagious than any disease that Satan ever come up with. If it gets inside, of your, gets inside of a person's spirit, it will absolutely change the inside and with them from the inside out. Okay? In other words, in, in, in reference to that, Jesus likened the kingdom of God. Remember this or the reign of God in Mark chapter 4 and verse 26, he says that the kingdom of God is like as a man goeth out and soweth seed in the field. And he goes to bed and rises up night and day, and he doesn't, he doesn't know how it happens, but first comes what? First comes the leaf, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. You know what that is? That's just a process. When you begin to pray, it doesn't happen automatically. Now you're going to, Sometimes we see things right away. But sometimes we just got to lock horns. And when you begin to pray for someone who's lost, a lot of times it looks like they're getting worse. Because the devil's trying to deal with them. But you don't really know what's happening in the spirit. So it's important for you not to change what your attitude is. Say, well, Lord, you said it. And not only that, Acts chapter 16 and verse 31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy household. It didn't say maybe. It said shall. And when you pray, you lock in, 
I guarantee you the Lord's going to do everything in his power to get that word to them. And they're going to have an opportunity to receive him. He's not going to make them, but they're going to get the word. And the blinders are going to come off. The spirit of truth is going to come and deal with them to convict them, not condemn them, but convict, convict them and bring them into the kingdom of God. And they're going to see the light, the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you'll just simply believe what God said he would do. You see, a lot of times we get so fearful about things happening because what we're doing is we're looking through the eyes of the natural rather than through the eyes of the Spirit. Remember, Jesus talks about that we can't see the kingdom of God if we're not born again. In other words, you, you can't see the reign of the Spirit. We're talking about reigning and ruling in the Spirit. In the book of Romans, it talks about us ruling and reigning now in this lifetime. Okay? And it all happens because all we have to do is we take, by faith, we take the grace that God has already given us. See, he's done everything for us. He's given us his spirit. He's given us his word, which is packed full of power. And when you put the word in your spirit, it will produce the fruit. First, the leaf, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. In other words, your spirit, man, is designed to produce the fruit of the rightness of God. And it was given to you by Jesus. Now, I stress, this is nothing that you do through your power other than just believing and accepting what God does. But how you see things is so important. I, I may have put this scripture in there. Did I put Isaiah chapter 26? No, I didn't. But Isaiah 26, and I referred to this, but Isaiah 26 and verse 3, it says, Thou will keep him in peace, perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, or stayed on you. In other words, let me break that down. Thou will keep him in perfect, complete. That's what perfect means. Complete peace. The word peace, the, the Hebrew word or for that is shalom. The root word is shalom, and it means nothing missing, nothing broken. If you keep your mind stayed on the word of God, and if you keep, if, I mean make your mind, sometimes you have to make yourself do it. I've had to, sometimes I get in situations where I just have to repeat the word of God over and over and over again to get my mind stayed on him. But when I do that, what will happen? Perfect and complete peace, wholeness, will come to me. And when, and when that happens, God is going to show up on the scene, and he's not just going to show up, he's going to show you what to do. He's going to help you. He's your shepherd. He leads you in the paths of righteousness. He'll give you a scripture, and you take that step, you begin to believe, and you walk in it. Uh, let me say this 
I have, I don't know, I've got several pages of scriptures here. Real quick, I'm going to go to the pages that y'all have. If I haven't lost them or misplaced them. Here they are right here. Let's look real quick, and, and I'm going to close shortly. But look at uh, the perfect spirit. Look at verse 17, the note. When, and read, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, just verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In verse 17, in your note, it says, As Jesus said in John 6, 63, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. That word quickeneth is an old English term which means makes alive. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. It's the spirit world and the spiritual man that is really important, not the flesh. Prior to salvation, a lost man has a dead spirit. It doesn't matter if he attains great wealth or influence in the flesh. His spirit is dead and separated from God, as Jesus said. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That's in Mark chapter 8, verse 36. Upon salvation, there's a total change that takes place, not in the flesh or the soul, but in the spirit. They become totally new by, by observation. You can see this is not speaking of the body and the soul. Now, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say this. I, I started to strike it, but it was in the notes. So I wrote it down. If you were fat before you get saved, you will be fat after you get saved. You don't instantly change and all things become new. Okay? It's obvious, well, make sure I get it. It's obvious, too, that this is not speaking about your soul. If you, and it says if you were stupid before you got saved, <laughs> you will be stupid after you get saved. <laughs> I got these notes from Andrew Womack Ministries, and I really do like his teaching, but sometimes he's just straightforward. Uh, okay. But at salvation, our spirits get born again. They become totally new and identical to Christ because it, because it is the Spirit of Christ that has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Now, that's Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6 and Romans chapter 8 and 9. And I've got that last note down there. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, I, could, I, I, I don't have a time to go back 
to Romans chapter 7 and show you. And right about in Romans chapter 7, I'm just going to mention this in the last part. I think it's uh, in my notes. I believe it's verses 14 down. Or it, may, it talks about there's a war going on in the soul. It talks about how a person, and Paul's talking about being born again when you're born again, once you know in your spirit that, that to know to, good, to do good is there. But how to do it, I know not. In other words, it's talking about the spirit, and there's a war going on. And it's going, you know, I want to do good, but I can't do it. Just the other day. And this is what really solidified this this teaching tonight. I saw a young man, I say he's young, he's in his 30s now. I hadn't seen him in, in a while. I don't know, probably about 10 years, I really don't know. But I, I could, I, he didn't have to tell me, I just know that he's been in a lot of trouble. I don't know, I hadn't heard anyone say anything about it. But when I saw him, I could see Jesus all in him. But also I saw in him a bunch of uh, a war going on in here. Okay? I know, you know, the love of God is there and I know he's born again, but how to walk in that he knows not how. And the reason why is he minds the things of the flesh rather than the things of the spirit. But that's the challenge that we have. How you see something. I challenge you, quit, try, quit looking through your natural eye and begin to see it through the eyes of the Spirit, through the eyes of Jesus. Because when you begin to see through the eyes of Jesus, you see, begin to see the glorious possibilities of what he can do. There's nothing impossible for him. And when you begin to pray about it and you begin to focus on it, He'll minister. You see, that's really what prayer is. When you begin to pray, you get direction. And when you get direction, then you just step out. One, you may not get but just one, one step, but you take it. And you begin to pray and communicate with God and do what he says and act on that word, and then he'll give you a next step. But it's one step at a time. Um. I want to add this, uh, on Thursday nights, and I know a lot of people are busy, on the first and third Thursday, tomorrow night, we, all, we, come, we meet up here at 6.30 in the new classroom, and we sit around, and, it's, it's, and we talk about the Word of God, whatever. If there's questions, it's just kind of like an informal thing. And the reason I'm answering, giving, letting you, you know, say that, because a lot of times there's, there's things that are on people's heart they got questions about. Well, I'm not saying we have the answers, but we know who does. And we'll, and we've got, you know, we'll take the time to discuss it. But that's on third, the first and the third Thursday of every month we've been doing that. So uh, you're invited. And also on Sunday mornings, and we meet at 8.45, we start our class. I do a class on God Wants You Well.
and it's uh, a teaching that's through, through An Andrew Womans Ministries. And I'll go ahead and add this to that. If you know somebody who, who needs healing, who, are, who is sick, I can get some information to you that won't cost you anything. Pretty much the, the teaching, this same teaching that we're doing, and, it, and it'd be, thank you, ma'am. It'd be, you know, something that you, as a tool, that you can use to get to people. Okay, I'm, I'm saying that because uh, I just, you know, there's a lot to it. One other thing I add is this. There's actually testimonies that we have and that you don't have to go. I could actually tell you where you could see these testimonies of different people who were healed of the Lord. But now in these testimonies, there are keys how, how people have walked in their victory and they've learned something in that walk that will help you. It will help you. I know it helped me. But the challenge that the Lord gave me, and I'm going to come back to this, and this, this is really the impulse that has brought from the beginning of this was in November 2015. He challenged me to do this one thing, to begin to see as he sees, hear as he hears, think as he thinks, and speak as he speaks. First John chapter 4, verse 17. It's, it's, I think it's 17, but it's 16, 17, or 18. I would usually read those three. As he is, Jesus, so are we in this world. You have the ability to release Jesus in this earth. Now, one other thing he said to me, which was so powerful, and I want you to grasp this. He told me, I was sitting there wondering, and, and I'm going to go into it. It was in Ephesians chapter 2. It talks about being seated together with him in heavenly places. But we, you, born again, are literally in his spirit, seated with him at the right hand of the Father. I want you to grab that. A lot of times we see ourselves seated next to him. But he corrected me. He said, go back and look at that scripture. You're not seated next to me. You're seated in me. You go back. It's in Christ. You are one in him in the heavens right now, seated by, in the spirit at his right hand. That's the place of authority. He said this to me. He said, you are my voice in the earth. I'm your voice in the heavens. When you begin to flow with the Spirit of God, one with Him, and you're saying what Jesus told you to say, it's just like Him standing in that place. Begin to see yourself like that. I challenge you. Come up to the place He has called us to be. All right, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight first and foremost. Jesus, what you've done for us. Lord, what, not, we thank you, Lord, for what you delivered us from. 
If, it, if nothing else, that would be enough. But Lord, you gave us so much more. You've done so much more for us. You've brought us into a place and lifted us up and gave us your life. And not only that, Lord, you gave us your grace, but not just the favor and grace to live and have our being, but Lord, that we can allow you now to live our life out allow you to live your life out through us in the place that we exist. And Father, I pray for that. I pray for, I pray for this congregation. I pray for, I pray for myself. I pray for your church, that your church would become who you called us to be. One with you, one mind, and one spirit. And we thank you, Father. Lord, that when we do those things, we do your will. That, Lord, your will will be accomplished in this earth. Nothing can stop it. We know, Lord, that things will come against us, but we know that you have the answers. And I pray, Father, that we will begin to use and operate in the Spirit to begin to see through the eyes of the Spirit and hear as the Spirit would show us and reveal to us we hear with our spiritual ears see with our spiritual eyes and think with the mind of christ rather than our natural thinking and lord speak the words that you give to us i pray that i pray this over this congregation i pray it over our church i pray it over lord your extended church and father we thank you for that we pray right now for those on this prayer request Shane Reeves, Lord Jesus, we just lift them up to you. Lord, we pray for one-year-old uh, Mackenzie. Father, we come against that tumor in her brain in the name of Jesus. We take authority. I take authority over it in the name of Jesus. I bind it now, and I release the anointing of the Spirit of God by faith in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray for her mother, Sydney, that you would strengthen Sydney, encourage her, send laborers across her path just to minister, Lord, the gospel, the good news, and healing, and, and Lord, your love toward them. We just send forth them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for uh, uh, Sister Clarinette, Lord Jesus, we come against that sickness in her body and just release the healing power of God right now. And Lord, bless this family. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Unspoken request for Sister Sherry right now. I just pray, Lord, that you will give her wisdom and speak to her and minister that in that area of her life. And Lord, we pray for our nation and our government. We come against the spirits of darkness that's trying to undermine this nation, Lord Jesus, and to bring it down. We come against it and we release the anointing of the Spirit of God and we declare that your will be done in our nation. Father, we pray for our seniors on the trip back from Tennessee, Lord Jesus. We pray for safety around and about them, that you'll keep them as they travel home over our pastors and just release your, your, your blessing over them in Jesus' name. Father, again, we thank you. We thank you for the night and the opportunity to just partake of the word of God. I thank you, Lord, 
for McCullough and for our pastor. And Lord, for, for Pastor uh, Cornelius and Pastor Judy, Lord, just bless them and their family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless y'all.